Welcome to the Community Corner, the podcast powered by Bevy. I'm your host, Beth McIntyre. In this show, I interview community builders from all spaces in the industry. Stay tuned for actionable strategies to learn and community stories to love, all in 15 minutes. I'm excited to have my next guest, Phoebe Shin Venkat. Phoebe is currently in between roles, but joins me today to talk about her most recent role as the Director of Community Strategy at Okta. In this episode, she shares some of the ways she got buy-in from her internal team and how she determined the kinds of community programs to build. She also shares the traits and competencies she believes to be essential for community builders. Take a listen. Phoebe, it's such a pleasure to have you on the Community Corner. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me on, Beth. This is going to be a blast. Well, I am excited to dive right in. So first of all, can you describe what you did in your most recent role as community strategist at Okta? Sure. I was at a company called Okta, and they're an online access management platform. And as head of the community strategy there, uh, my charter was really to understand what the community needed, uh, set goals and strategies in place, build a team out, also serve as like the marketing arm of the team, making sure that not only our community understood the kind of offerings we had, but also our colleagues within Okta could understand how they could interact in the community and benefit their goals. That's awesome. I want to dive into that, how that conversation went more, like how you got internal buy-in. But I also want to talk to you about the career that you've had because you have kind of started in marketing and then communications and now in community engagement. So how have you kind of taken all of your experiences and targeted them to, you know, be more focused in your roles? Yeah, good question. And I do find in the community space that people seem to have all different paths. And I'm certainly one example. Um, I actually majored in elementary education in my undergrad degree. And I thought I was going to teach. Nothing's wrong with teaching. Teaching is wonderful. But I ended up joining a startup of 30 people before startups were cool. (laughs) And they needed someone to do something. They didn't really have a role in mind. And I jumped at the chance to join the marketing department. So by me joining, it was two people. So I just kind of learned everything on the job, you know, writing press releases, organizing like company tours to the public, everything you could think of. I, I had to do it because there was two of us. Um, so I learned a lot in that role. From there, I went on to several uh, communications roles that were internally focused. So this means communicating to employees, engaging them, um, writing articles about the company. And while I think that those years of doing that job really benefited you know, me and hopefully the employees, I also felt like something was missing. A lot of my work seemed very one-sided, right? I'd write an article like, company X, we are amazing. Employees, you should think this too. And I felt like, okay, but I don't think everyone maybe agrees. Maybe a lot of people don't agree, but they love the company, but they're looking to kind of have their voice heard and their ideas um, seen. So that's when I pivoted into a hybrid role of community management for employees as well as still writing those articles, but I transitioned away from the one-sided, you know, view and got the community to kind of be citizen reporters with me on our social network that was inside the company. And that was really eye-opening for me. And I thought, wow, everyone in this company is smart, has good ideas, wants to connect, you know, become friends, build relationships. And I just thought this is great to kind of continue in this kind of career. And from there, I went on to several different roles in enterprise communities, support communities. I don't know why, but I'm an enterprise nerd. 
So that's why uh, my most recent role was at Okta and I'm joining a new enterprise software company in a couple weeks. I guess I just love that space. I appreciate that you share your experience and you know that you say it again. I feel like I'm a broken record, but nobody is walking around with degrees in community management. So I appreciate that you've shared your experience for just how you have kind of found yourself in this role because you're right. There isn't one path that we've all taken to get here. The only thing our paths have in common is that they're different, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Our differences bring us together, right? And that's that's what's special because I think any community leader, if they're good and they work hard and they listen, they can manage different types of community, right? So when I was most recently at Okta, that doesn't mean I was the only person on the planet that could have done that job, but I'm going to do it in a certain style based on my experiences to date, based on all the different kinds of people that I connect with and know that it's going to be slightly different than if you were managing it and both would be right. Yeah, that's so important to share. Thank you very much for saying that. Welcome. So tell us a little bit more, because I know you're in transition, but tell us a little bit more about Okta's different community spaces and their different use cases. Yeah, so the community I had just worked at for Okta had a few different spaces. You know, we have the standard like knowledge articles, support troubleshooting articles that people would go and access, you know, just from landing on Google landing from Google. We had dedicated spaces for conversations uh, where people really wanted to unpack certain kind of questions and ideas that they had. And speaking of ideas, we did have a dedicated section that our team launched. Um, after I joined the team, we launched Okta Ideas, which was focused on getting product feedback and ideas from our community. And not only that, because I think it's one thing to take in ideas and say, good job, check, we did our job, we're listening. But people really want to understand, is my idea going to be seen by anybody or is it just kind of going out there and just sitting there in the community, right? So we made sure before we launched, we spent several months, I think a whole quarter, just really making sure we got the buy-in, not only from our management, but our key partners, product management, product marketing, that they understood not only how the platform worked, but also what their roles would be, you know, and with people that already being so busy, there's a way you have to present it where it's not like, hey, guess what? You got a job in the community now. It's more of, you know, you're a great product manager, but your insights could actually be deepened by some of the qualitative and quantitative data within the community. Come check it out. We've got toolkits for you. We can do hands-on sessions, you know, and kind of get them comfortable. So I would love to continue the conversation about how you had that internal conversation with, you know, for example, your product team. So we often talk about how much value we can provide the product team, but sometimes we forget to tell them that they need to put some work into the community to see that value. You know, they should be engaging, they should be answering questions. So how did you approach that conversation with your product team? That's a really good question. And I think even before you start telling people about the value of the community that they potentially gain, you want to ask a lot of questions. You want to understand from your product teams and leaders, you know, what are some of your pain points in your day-to-day processes? What are some things that are working really well for you? Because what you don't want to do is come in and have all these nice sparkling recommendations that don't resonate or land with the people that you're speaking with, right? The ones you're supposed to be buying in and helping to kind of engage in the community. So I think that's number one, be curious, right? Understand Be empathetic, uh, walk a mile or more in their shoes. And then that's when you go back, you know, and work on, okay, I'm hearing what's working well for them, what's not working well, what's kind of neutral for them that they haven't made progress on. What from the community could potentially help move 
some of the levers in those areas. And I think that's when you come back, you know, it's going to be multiple meetings. It's going to be set meetings that you have and then meetings where you quote unquote bump into each other. I mean, now, obviously during the pandemic, we're not bumping into one another, but you have to set up the time where it's also serendipitous, right? It's not just always going to be a formal or an executive presentation. And I think working on the storytelling, working on the listening, that will get you there. And I think if I could give a word of advice to people, I know it's hard to do, but don't feel down and don't be down on yourself and beat yourself up if people aren't responding, right? Because out of the many product managers that we work with, not everyone's going to drop everything and say, yes, let's meet with the community team right now. You know, some are going to be like, yeah, I have enough to do. Talk to you later. Some may ghost you on emails. Others may be really open. And I think what you want to do is you want to take those who are the early adopters, I call them the friendlies, and mm-hmm. really work with them, help make them successful. When they're successful in the community, make sure to tout the wins that they earned on their own. I think then you'll have a great ambassador to your product feedback or whatever strategy you're focusing on. And I think when product managers hear other product managers talking about the community, I think that weighs a lot heavier than us as a community team telling people to get in the community. I love the friendlies. That's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Not that the other ones are not friendly, but they're like more neutral at this point, you know? Right. Yeah. You have to be like actively friendly to get involved. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, everyone. Anne-Marie Pollock-Hudinkle here, event manager at CMX. And I am crashing this podcast to cordially invite you all to CMX Summit 2021 Rise. On August 31st through September 2nd, join seasoned practitioners, emerging leaders, and industry experts for three jam-packed days of speakers, hands-on workshops, and networking with the world's largest group of community builders. Everything you need to rise up and thrive. Head over to cmxhub.com to RSVP now. See you there. And so then going back even a step further, when you're creating these new programs, how do you choose what kinds of programs to run? Like, how do you know when to run community events versus when it should live on an online forum versus when it should be a knowledge base? How do you kind of begin to make those decisions? That's a really nuanced question. So in terms of, you know, what kind of vehicle you should use, I think it's first figuring out where are your customers located? I don't mean just like what state or what country they're in, but in terms of what kind of business line they're in, you know, online does work really well for many people in enterprise space because customers are usually located around the world, speak different languages and have different timing needs, right? So a live event, while it's really exciting to be able to you know, see people in person, is not always going to work for people. Um, you want to make sure that you can get the most amount of people because that's how your community is going to grow. And luckily at Opta, we had really great partners that ran, you know, super events for the community. For example, our marketing teams, they were actually the ones that ran the community user groups. So we were their, one of their key partners. So when they had the live groups before we migrated to Zoom, you know, we were able to kind of join the meetings and we still did afterwards to kind of build that community muscle at those meetings. So I think it's important to kind of include your key partners in those kind of decisions too. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I think there's always room for 
for both that asynchronous and synchronous asynchronous being, you know, online forums where people can communicate, but it's not necessarily instant or in real time and events where, yeah, you're live and you're having those conversations here and now. Yeah. And I think it's being flexible, right? Like things are going to change at the drop of a dime, like it did last year for many, if not all companies, right? I know that our marketing events team had to pivot from a live you know, customer conference that is usually located in San Francisco, California, and quickly move within weeks to a, you know, online only event. And while there were some drawbacks, because again, like you said, it's, it's great to have that in-person experience. There's nothing that can match that 100%. It was also great to be able to see different kinds of people who maybe in the past didn't have time to go, didn't have the budget to go. And we got some fresh voices in the community. That was such a cool thing that came out of moving to the virtual world, I think, was just the accessibility. I mean, I know for CMX Summit 2020, we had more people from more countries than we had ever had in attendance at a summit before. So it was just such an awesome thing to have come out of going virtual. Yeah, and I may be biased, but I attended that conference and I spoke at it and I got to meet so much more people. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love my community buddies that I see at every CMX and other kinds of events. But it was great to like meet people whose names I had never heard of. They had never heard of me and do things like yoga with them online. Like it was just really a blast. <laughs> well, I'm glad that, yeah, I'm glad that you had that experience. That's awesome to hear. And yeah. so when you're, again, you're in transition between roles. So I would love to just hear when you talk about community teams and building community teams, what qualities or skills are you finding to be essential for community builders, especially because we're all from different walks of life. We all have different experiences that lead us to this place. How are mm-hmm. you kind of finding that, that those golden skills? Yeah, wow. I would say I've been privileged enough to work with really awesome teams, either being part of the team or and or building them. And I would say some of the traits that come to mind that I think are have to have, number one, probably two and three, is looking for people that are empathetic, right? And I want to clarify, that doesn't mean that you always are going to agree with your stakeholders, with your community members, but having people that are empathetic can relate and understand and are curious to understand, I think is number one, because uh, you are just working with all different kinds of people. So you have to be open-minded to ideas that maybe you haven't thought of or ideas that are maybe not exactly what you agree with all the time. I would say another trait would be someone who's a good storyteller. And I want to clarify that because storytelling is not just, you know, the cool people you see talking at the TED and TEDx, you know, uh, conferences. That's wonderful. They are amazing storytellers. There's some people are also really great at weaving stories using analytical data, right? Quantitative data. You want the, those kind of storytellers too, to make sure you have a diverse set of voices on your team that can help get the story out and connect with as many people as possible. And that is especially important when you're working with colleagues who can help you move the strategy forward. If I had to think of one more, I would say someone who is open to being flexible around plans. You know, while I do run community strategies, I also know that sometimes I build in cushions where I know, you know, in case budget falls through or something changes or, you know, a leader of another team moves on that we're ready to go with a different strategy or a brand new one, be able to sunset ones that aren't working anymore and being able to kind of navigate that space. 
Awesome. I think those are three really awesome places to start. Perhaps we should have a follow-up episode where we talk about how people can structure their resumes to show those three at the top. (laughs) Oh, that's a great idea. I definitely could have used that a few years ago, probably today still, you know? (laughs) Well, Phoebe, it's been such a pleasure. I only have time for one more question. And that is, if you could go for lunch with anyone in the community industry, who would you want to go for lunch with? Oh man, this is a, such a tough one. There's so many great people, but I would have to say the gentleman named Shaka Sangor. He's a community activist. He actually years ago uh, was convicted of a major crime, went to prison, uh, really suffered in there, but also really learned a lot. And now he's an author. He's head of diversity actually at the company I'm going to. He's doing all these amazing things and with such grace and transparency that i you know, I would love the chance to grab coffee or whatever with him. Wow. Very cool. I'll have to look into him because that definitely sounds like an amazing story. Yeah, he's definitely so inspirational. Um, his book is called Writing My Wrongs. And the writing is W-R-I-T-I-N-G because uh, Shaka never really had any kind of experience with writing beyond the day to day. But he became a writer and wrote his story while he was in prison. Wow. Very cool. And thank you so much for sharing, Phoebe. It has been such a pleasure to chat with you today. You as well. Take care, Beth. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about how to create your own community, go to pod.bevy.com. That's pod.bevy.com. This is the Community Corner, and I'm Beth McIntyre.